0: Get on in there, see what all the excitement is about. It's gonna be so much fun. Let your colors
1: shine. shine. Come on, let let your colors shine.
0: Hey guys, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. I am so excited for today's episode. You have no idea. We have somebody who I love very, very much on the show, and I know that you're going to love her if you don't already know her already. You're going to be uh, so into everything she has to say, so comforted by it. She's so smart. She's so wise. So we're going to get into that in a second um uh, before we do i just want to say it is still the first week of the new year i want to know how you're feeling i know that there's still confetti on the floor and you are ready for what's next i know that everyone's talking about what they want to change and all the things they want to achieve this year and i'm super excited for you and i salute you for having the courage to level up like that and also having that self-awareness which not everybody has really really cool all that being said Please don't forget how much bravery it took for you to get to this point right now. Please don't overlook the heroic journey that led you here and how you so fiercely navigated everything that's come your way. It took so much strength. It took so much strength for you to say yes to things and open your heart the way you've already done So just take a minute to acknowledge the battles that you fought and the way you stayed the course through all of that. My friend Jeff Goins, he's been on the show before. If you haven't heard that episode, you will really enjoy that. He said often we move the goalpost, which is it's such a bummer. We get to where we wanted to be, and right when it's time to celebrate, we just move the goalpost just a little further, so we never really enjoy the satisfaction of having gotten to this point. And I'm super guilty of this, and I think in general. Even if we don't hit our goals, we're overlooking some of these huge hurdles that we've already passed. And I just want you to know that you're doing great and I don't want you to overlook all of that. So go ahead, you know, change things, reach for the stars, do it all. But please don't forget how far you've come. And please don't forget, email me your story. I want to hear what you've done. I want to hear what's happened since you started listening to this show. Now, some of you may have just started and you're like, yeah, give me a break. I just got here. But those of you who have been listening to this podcast and taking action, we would love to feature you and interview you on the show. So I'd love to hear what has happened, what has transpired and the successes that you've had. If you've made tremendous strides like Greg Franklin with his cheesecake or Becky Scott with her movie, if you've left your day job, if you opened your store, if you made your film, whatever these big moments have been. We want to hear from you. We want to champion what you're doing and we want to interview you and have you on the show. So please go ahead and email us at hello at don'tkeepyourdayjob.com I look forward to possibly talking with you and having you on the show. So let's dive into today's guest. Her name is Emily McDowell, and I'm such a fan of who she is, and I'm so glad that she is in the world. She's a writer, illustrator, and she's the founder of Emily McDowell Studio. She makes the most perfect greeting cards that say exactly the thing that you really want to say, but you just don't have words for it. Honestly, she's a genius when it comes to those moments in your relationships when you're like... I should give this person a card, but I don't want it to seem overdramatic or sappy or inauthentic. Emily has a brilliant way of keeping it real, both in her work and in person. And that is why I think she is so successful. Let me give you an example of a few of the things that I love that Emily has made recently. One thing I posted of hers on Christmas, she put something on Instagram. It said, if you are reading this from your hiding place in the bathroom on the back porch or in your childhood bedroom, because you cannot spend one more minute with your relatives, that is totally fine. You're doing great. You have built a life that works." Works for you and tomorrow you get to go back to it so emily posted that and then she also posted a card that she made uh, which is a picture of two people hiking up a mountain and it says this card made me think of us and how we would never do this and that made me laugh because that is so a card i could give to my husband any day of the week one of her magnets that i have on my fridge says behind every great woman is another great woman replying to her frantic texts in the middle of the night which i just loved I just love her work so, so much. I talk about her all the time on the show. So if you've been an avid listener, you've probably heard me talking about her, but I can't wait for you guys to hear this whole story and how she started, not knowing how she'd get to where she is, but what has happened to her just in a few short years is nothing short of amazing. You might have heard of her empathy cards, which were featured on places like NPR, New York Times, Good Morning America. We're going to get into all the details of why those cards are really, really special. She also makes mugs, journals, magnets, tote bags, and so many more amazing things. If you go to her Instagram, you're going to be like, I have to have all of this. I know you guys are going to love her work so much. So after you listen to this episode, make sure to check out everything that she has going on at emilymcdowell.com. So now without further ado, please welcome the incredibly kind, wise, generous, spectacular Emily McDowell. I am so excited right now because Emily McDowell is here. Hi. 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 (laughs) She's so cute. But beyond the face and the glasses and the polka dots, she makes things that I'm in love with. So let's go back. What would you say sort of was the the seed that got you to be here? Well,
2: I worked in advertising for almost 10 years. I was a art director, then a writer, and then I became a creative director. And um, I had just gotten a promotion and I got to a point where I realized that this place that I'd been working towards for nine years was actually not the place I wanted to be. I looked around and was like, oh, I climbed a ladder and the ladder was like leaning against the wrong wall.
1: So you quit your day job. So I (laughs) did.
2: I did. I first, I quit, uh, in 2011, my, my full-time job and freelanced knowing that I was going to be able to freelance for however long while I figured out what I was going to do, but I had no idea what I was going to do.
0: Let's go back to that moment for a second. What was that breaking point? Something inside, so what was going actually, on?
2: Actually, yeah. Something kind of major happened uh, for a long time. I had been varying levels of unhappy, but I probably would have stayed had it not been for my college roommate um, got cancer and she died three months after being diagnosed. and. <gasps> My God. That was a really obviously terrible and intense scenario.
0: So this is someone you had been friends with since college. Yes,
2: this was my one of my best friends. Had been one of my best friends since we were 19. That's
0: so terrible and scary.
2: And interestingly, so I had I had cancer when I was twenty-four. Um I had Hodgkin's lymphoma. And after my chemo and radiation, I'm probably the only person who ever had cancer and went into advertising. <laughs> like, to be honest, but it was because I needed health insurance.
0: And that's cut to your best friend dies of
2: cancer. Yeah, it was miserable. But one of the things that happened was I had kind of a delayed reaction. It was almost like the universe sort of slapping me and being like, hello, wake up. This happened to you and you were lucky enough to live and you are not doing a thing with your life that you love. And
0: now, and she didn't live
2: and- she didn't isn't going to get to do the thing that she loved and she was an amazing like i can't really talk about her cuz i will totally break down but she was amazing and one of the things she said to me before she died was go do what you're supposed to do and so i quit my job and i knew i could freelance so it wasn't like i'm walking out the door and doing a jerry maguire and being like peace out i have no idea where you know like i had a way to make money if i needed to which was amazing that
0: her tragedy it gave you life. And after already living through that, like you said, yeah. you got it when it happened to someone else. Yeah. And she gave you that permission slip and said, go live your life. Yes. It's an incredible legacy that she leaves. And so much of your work then is like inspired by her. And yeah. What's her name? Amy.
2: Amy O. I just like really wish she was here. But um, yeah. So that's, that was my
0: catalyst legacy for, for this. So important. So you said to yourself, I'm done. Yeah. I'm gonna leave this job and you decided you're gonna go freelance. Mm-hmm. Wasn't that scary? It was scary.
2: And at the same time I knew I could find work. Like I had friends who were freelancing in the industry a lot. Like I I'd freelanced before, in between. The piece that was really scary was like Well, what the hell am I going to do next? And I just really what I, I read an article about like what to do when you don't know what to do with your life. (laughs) And it said, go back to the things you loved to do as a kid. Like, what did you love to do as a kid? And the things I loved to do most as a kid were writing and drawing pictures. And so that's what I started doing. And I just started doing it on the side. I mean, I didn't start doing it for money. I started doing it like. Right, Cause
0: you probably didn't have like a no. flash of, this is how you monetize. Oh my God. No, and I had
2: pictures. no idea. And I also was like, and I might suck at writing and drawing pictures. You know what I mean? Like I wasn't, I knew that I was a good writer because I'd been writing, you know, but I hadn't drawn anything since college. I didn't think of myself as an artist. I thought of myself as a designer. So this is the end of 2011. I'm freelancing. I opened an Etsy store. And I was just starting comics and I was drawing, like it was before lettering was like a big thing. And I'd always loved lettering. Like it was, it's what I'd always done in the margins of every, you know, class and yeah, whatever. Yeah. So I started doing lettering and I started like lettering quotes just to practice lettering and not my own stuff. Cause I was like, who wants to read what I write, right. you know? But so I was just putting them and I was putting them on like a Tumblr blog. And my friends were like, you should sell these on that. Net- like just make an Etsy store. Why not? And so I figured like, all right, why not? So I opened a Etsy store and I started selling prints. Like I bought a printer and I started selling like you know eight and a half by eleven prints of my stuff, and I was like, I would love to do cards, but why would I sell something that costs three dollars <laughs> when I can sell something that costs twenty four dollars like for the same thing? It does and make sense. It I, makes a lot of. And sense. it was also like I was thinking about printing it myself. Like I wasn't thinking about like printing it at a printer. I was thinking so small. Like it didn't occur to me to go in with like a big vision of like, nope, I see this. This is how it's going to, it was like, no, I have a printer in front of me that I've purchased for $600 and I want to get my $600 back. (laughs) Like that was the level where I was. So I had this Etsy shop and I was freelancing and working pretty steadily. And then the end of 2012, like December, I was really feeling like, I really want to make cards. The kinds of cards that I see in stores are not reflective of my reality. And the thing it, it cards combined everything I liked. They combined writing and illustration and also psychology. So I had this idea to make a Valentine card for the person that you're kind of dating but not really. Oh my god. Which is so many relationships. That's hysterical. That like was, the
0: person you're dating, but you're not really dating. Well, because like, What how do you say to that person? It, right? Like it's We're now, just talking. It's He's Valentine's
2: surprised. Day, right? Either you give them nothing. And then it's weird. Cause maybe they give you something or like, it's awkward mm-hmm. and you, or you give them a normal card and then you're like, no, this isn't that big of a deal here, right. but uh, you seem like
0: you're really codependent and you get all weird or, about yeah. it.
2: And then you have to do a speech. And so <laughs> I was like, I think I want to make a card. That's the speech that you would give someone when you give them a normal card. So it's like this long thing. And at the time there wasn't anything like it out there. And so it was like, I know we're not like together or anything, but it felt weird to not say anything. So I got you this card. It doesn't even have a heart on it. It's not a big deal. Basically, it's just a card saying hi. And then in little letters, it says forget it at the bottom. And so I was like, all right, like I'm going to just figure out how to do this. And I'm going to just pay to have like 50 of these things made. I know that if I can get it in front of people, like the five people who see this are going to like buy it and and love it. (laughs) And I wasn't trying to make money. I was like, I just want this to be in the world. And I felt really convicted. Like, this is an idea This is a point of view that's not out there and I wanted to be out there. I didn't have an audience. But what happened was Etsy put it on their Facebook page. And so it became Etsy's most liked and most shared post of that whole year. And it went crazy, crazy viral. What did you get for that card? Well, I had one week when I could ship it. So because I listed it on like January 31, like so here's a lesson. Lesson number one (laughs) when selling a product on the internet. Make sure that you have enough time to send it to people before they can, you know, give it to someone else. Detail. I know. Total details. Yeah. So <laughs> I had seven days and I, and I sold 1700 one by one. But basically what happened was I had a proof of concept. Like I had validation. I had total validation. It was like, okay, the world wants me to do this. Like this is obviously like this kind of message is the cards for the relationships that we really have. This is a thing people people it. need. And so I took the money that I'd made. I found out that if you're gonna launch a stationary line at the time, the thing to do was to go to the National Stationery Show, which is like the fashion week of stationery. It was this Awesome. All four days, New York, so fun. You go, you build a booth at the Javits Center. It's a mall of stationery where stores come to place their orders. And I found out like you kind of have to have forty cards, like you know, like how do you say, you need right? Like content. I couldn't just come with my one card and be like here, like you know? And so I made forty cards and I made a catalog. Like I just basically googled the hell out of Google and I knew one friend in the industry who she had gotten a booth that was too big. And so she had an extra wall and she was like, come share my booth. Yeah. I knew it was just like, perfect. So, so I took that money and I just reinvested it and paid to go to that show and have catalogs made and have cards printed and like make it work. And that was in May. So that was, I had like two and a half months or three months to get it all taken care of. Crazy. I got there and I felt like probably what would happen is I would have this little stationary business on the side and I would keep freelancing. Then eventually I'd stop freelancing and have this other career. Like that was kind of my vision and Urban Outfitters wrote a $30,000 order at the job. And I hadn't printed the cards yet. Like I'd only printed the samples and they came and wrote this order and said, Oh, and by the way, like we need these in our warehouse in two and a half weeks or we're going to cancel the order. Awesome. And I was like, cool. Okay. I'm on it. Like I got it. I'm totally a professional company. <laughs>
0: You have your cat like, laying yeah. yeah, I'm
2: like, no, literally my seven-year-old stepson had been like packaging stuff for me for Etsy. And I was like, yep, great. So they wanted cards. But when you sell cards to a store, it has to be like a little package. So it's like a card. And then an envelope with it, and then it goes in a plastic sleeve, and then there's a sticker that goes on the back. And then they get in, you
0: don't know from plastic sleeves, and then they get, then they get packed
2: doing? in six in like six at a time in another bag. So it's like a whole assembly. A lot of things to thing. do. So I left the show, so I called the printer, and I was like, I need you to print the cards because I had 40 cards. And so if you're offset printing cards, there's like 2,000 cards minimum per style. The bottom line was that I ended up printing 96,000 cards to fill this urban order and then to print a minimum order of all these 40 cards. So the guy was, the printer was like, all right, where are we going to deliver these? And I was like, my apartment. And he was like, no, we're not going to deliver them to your apartment because you could like build an apartment like this. Do you understand the volume of what? And I was like, clearly I do not understand the volume. And it was like two pallets stacked this high. There you are, you're living It was in. like a bunker. So I needed to find mirror? a space. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, so I needed to find a space and then I needed to assemble. Like I needed to figure out how to assemble all these cards and get them to urban outfitters. Crazy. And a friend of mine, um, so I live in LA and a friend of mine had a space. She's a painter and she had a space in like a kind of falling down warehouse district building before the warehouse got super fancy district got super fancy. And she was like, okay, there's a space available in my building. It's across the hall. And I was like, great. I'm in, I'm in like, give me your landlord. So I couldn't move in there for another two weeks. And so she let me deliver the stuff to her space and use her space. Like she was, it was amazing. She saved me, Shana Fraze. She's an amazing painter, but she um, gave me her space for the week. And so I put like a thing out on Craigslist that was like, Hey, I need people. I'll pay you 15 bucks an hour. I'll feed you pizza. Please come and assemble some cards. Like I need help. And so we had like 15 people, and it was like friends and then like out of work actors and people's grandmas and like someone's cleaning lady. It was the motliest crew of just people that showed up at this warehouse. And I was like the leader, but I was also like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Yeah, you know, yeah, so yeah. I was like, okay, here's some cards, here's envelopes, here's how it goes. I'll be over here trying to figure out this giant book that they'd sent me of rules, like basically follow all these rules. And
0: if you don't, then we'll send it back to you. You know, it was like, it was intense but we got it out like we did it we made it happen what were some of the big milestones from getting that warehouse and then where you are now so the growth points happened
2: about a year and a half after i was, we launched empathy cards which are our answer to sympathy to traditional sympathy cards which kind of suck and are like not helpful yeah they're cards that you give that are designed to give to someone who is going through something really terrible like a massive illness or they're grieving someone died or a divorce or like just something where a get well soon card doesn't cut it. Like if if you might not, you're like, cool, thanks. I'll try. (laughs) Like, you know, it's a weird, it's a strange thing. And one of the things that the hardest thing for me about being sick when I was sick at 24 was how isolating it was and how lonely it was. And it was lonely because people, didn't know what to say. And so they bailed, you know, like people are so afraid of saying the wrong thing or like we fear illness and we fear death. Like we don't talk about it. Like we're not taught to yeah. talk about those, that stuff. And so it was really lonely. And I blamed myself. I mean, like my takeaway coming from that was that? I wasn't good enough. Right. If Five I had been a better friend, if I had been yeah. like, you know, cooler, so, cooler better at having cancer or whatever, like, you know, <laughs> like this wouldn't have happened. And then when Amy got sick, That was my like, oh my God, this had nothing to do with me. This is all about, we don't know as a culture what to say. We don't know what to do. People don't know how to show up in this way because we don't get taught how to talk about it. And so one of the things with with cards that was really important to me was creating an alternative that made people who were going through something terrible feel seen and heard and that helped friends and family with the words that they couldn't come up with on their own. Yeah. So we launched those and they went really viral.
0: What was the channel? Did you put them out through Etsy? What, what no. Say so viral? I put them out. so them out? we
2: transitioned off of Etsy onto onto our own site. Eventually we put them in our wholesale catalog and we put them on our website basically. So I put them on social media and I, and I sent a post um, to newsletter to all of our subscribers okay. saying, Hey, this is new. Here's what I'm doing. Here's why I'm doing it share this. If you feel compelled to like, if this resonates with you,
0: what year is this?
2: This was early 2015.
0: Okay.
2: And, um, people just started sharing like crazy. And then Brene Brown shared them to her mailing list. Okay. Yeah. Which was like, okay.
0: Yeah. No, like, big, no, no, like drop. Like drop. Yeah. That's crazy. So
2: that, no and then that started this wave of like press and wow. I was on Good Morning America and like- I've it was, heard of that show. Yeah, NPR, like all things considered. And and it was in 33 countries. I did media in 33 countries. It just kept going and going and going. And it was like, I would never have predicted that it was going to be so cross-cultural, like that it was an issue that wasn't just an oh American my problem, but that it was just like a really universal yeah. struggle with what to say and how to show up and like how to be there for someone who really needs people to be there.
0: Yeah, and I think this is like the crux- of why I wanted to have you on the show. And I'm so happy that, you know, it just came out in this most incredible story of how this unfolded. But one of the reasons I love that Valentine's card and every single thing that you post um, is because it is so real. It's not like trying to be real. It's just extremely honest. And I think that you are such like a beacon of light in a time where, you know, our suicide is at an all-time high, at a 30-year high. I think showing your own, like feelings of inadequacy or talking about what really is going on and not trying to make it pretty, just saying it like it is. Um, it gives people a tremendous feeling of comfort because they don't feel so alone. Yeah. Permission to be them, you know? Exactly. And you're such a great example of when you, when you have the courage to just say it like it is, it's amazing how people are like, great. That's amazing. And you're (laughs) like, what did I do? Like, but what I did is I just said something that made you feel like I was being honest and now you feel seen because mm-hmm. I'm talking about yeah. what I'm actually dealing with. Yeah. Representation, like
2: seeing yourself yes. out there in the world, like seeing yourself makes people feel, makes us, me also feel, oh, I'm not the only person who feels this way. Like same, yeah. you know, oh my God, I'm not the only person in the world that feels So like this.
0: let's talk about this for a second. Cause I do, I wish that everyone listening to the show and watching the show would, um, take a page from your book and have the courage to- do that more. I think people second guess that. Um, so we have a lot of overthinking, a lot of self doubt. What would you say to someone? How would you encourage them to to be braver and to say what's really going on? Like, how do you help somebody to do that more?
2: Well, this is really interesting because I was having a conversation the other day with um, I have a mentor named Robin Rice, and I was asking her the same question because I am in a place where I'm I'm not pivoting, but I'm I'm going to be doing maybe a podcast, maybe other kinds of media. Like I'm, I'm looking at kind of expanding what I'm doing after I now have less responsibility of running the company and I'm more, so I have more time, but I've been having a lot of fear around it. Just second guessing, just same things, you know, like who am I to think X, you know? And she and I were talking about this concept of it's not not caring about what people think. Like you're going to care about what people think, but caring more about your mission and your purpose and like who you are and what you want to do. The trick isn't caring, not at all about what other people are thinking, but it's caring more about where you're going and your own conviction than you care about that other stuff. And I really love, I mean, to go back to Brene again, but like in her, not most recent book, but the book before, it's basically all about getting in, it's getting in the arena and getting, getting up. Right. And it's the Theodore Roosevelt quote about people who get in the arena and do the work and that people who are doing less than you are the ones who are going to be critical. Like it's never people who are doing more than you. It's never people who are in the arena as well, trying to do the thing. It's always people who are sitting on the sidelines who are going to be critical and who are going to be, you know, sitting there armchair quarterbacking you and really, their opinion, it doesn't matter. You know, Mm -hmm. it's the people who are in the arena doing the thing and to be in the arena and be doing the thing, like we get one shot here. This is our opportunity to be fully present in our lives and to, and to be who we are. And that's the thing that keeps me moving forward more than anything is like, I don't want to let some random person on social media prevent me from, not doing what I'm here to do. 100%. That's the dumbest reason.
0: And the, and the irony is that when you started, I mean, you're not a person who is an expert in empathy. You don't have a PhD. No. You're just a person no. right. who shared something that felt really honest for you and did it in a way that was creative. And people are like getting up out of their chairs, like, you know, standing ovations all over the place because it resonates. And I kind of feel like, that's all that needs to happen is that transaction between two people. Like you, you do something that makes someone else feel something mm-hmm. that helps them, betters them, gives them hope, encourages them. That's it. You don't need to be an expert. So what is your advice to creative people? I mean, people look at you, they'd want to have like an ounce of the success that you have. What would you say to somebody who they'd love to make their art? you know, something that they could live off of. They'd love to do something with their ceramics, their dance, their music, but they're not. What do you think is in their way? And what would you encourage them to do? Make the stuff. That's the
2: thing. You know, we get in our own heads and we get in our own way, you know, and the thing that ultimately stops us more than anything else is our own second guessing. And if you put that aside and just think, I'm going to put that in a box and like, I'm going to stay over here and make my stuff and I'm going to do what I love to do and yeah. not think about it from the perspective of like, I want to do what people want to buy. Like, because I think you, you can be successful, of course, making something that you think people want to buy, you know, and there has to be some sort of strategy behind what you do. But I think that it's, it, it's a lot harder to love it if it doesn't come from a place of what you love to begin with.
0: Mm-hmm. Now that's an interesting question because Talking about empathy, the other thing Seth Godin said on the show is that at the, at the crux of any, any successful endeavor is, is radical empathy. Mm-hmm. That marketing is empathy. Yes. But where is that sort of balance of what you just said? Because as an artist, mm-hmm. you do want to encourage people to follow what feels good. And at the same time, if, if you're as successful as you are, there has been definitely an audience response. You yes. built it together, right? Yes. You've gotten that validation. You make more of that. How um, are you thinking about that in order to generate something? That you I am think thinking about,
2: might? basically, I'm always trying to solve a problem with our products. So even if it's like a mug, you know, even if it's something that's not tr- thought of traditionally as like solving a problem, because
0: if you can make a product that solves a problem, you have a successful product. Oh my God. And I love that you're saying this because I've always said this, but the fact that you're saying it and applying it to mugs and things like that, I would, I would sometimes say, but wait, how does that apply to a mug? You yeah. know, how does it, I mean, Does it cure cancer?
2: No. But thinking of a broader perspective, a loose perspective of this thing, right? A mug, say you have it on your desk at work and you have something on it that represents who you are, that feels like it says to the rest of your coworkers, like, this is me. This represents what I think about the world. This represents like my values, you know, like what I think is funny, my sense of humor. This is shorthand for if you don't know me, you don't know me very well, right? Like I can put this mug down and you can surmise some things about it's yeah. like shorthand yeah. for like, this is, this is what I find funny. Yes. And, and it's a tool that helps people like a mug with a funny thing on it that other people are like, Oh my God, that's a funny mug. Yes, yes, it yes. helps people relate to each other, yep. you know? So it's not about the drinking vessel. I mean, obviously it helps you drink your coffee, but when I think about it, it's what how does it communicate? What about is this? this how person? does, how, and how does this communication happen? Like, I mean, cards are a really fun thing for me to do because it's all about a one-to-one relationship. So it's all about like, What would the best, what I want is for someone to look at this card and think, this is like, this person's been reading my diary, but it's like the best version of me would say this and feeling like this is, I have to buy this for my friend because this just like encapsulates our relationship.
0: Awesome. So cool. Um, I feel like you're so good at, you know, words and copy and all of that stuff, um, what would you tell to someone who's beginning, you know, like putting up their Etsy shop or their Instagram? Like, how do we even know what exercise might we try that would pull out of us the kinds of copy that would be more real or that would tell the story that yeah. has the points in it that people really are saying like, yes, those were the, those so are the stories to tell. Your own
2: story is more powerful than you think. To us, it feels boring, right? Because we live it every day. And we're like, we're in this story. I wake up every morning. It's not that great. Yeah. But there are elements of all of our own stories that are relatable and universal
0: to everybody else. But yours is so intense and dramatic and interesting. Like, what about people who just are like, I grew up in the Midwest and have two good parents and a dog. Like what would you find about your own story to tell that you would so, think so get into the
2: details. Go deeper and deeper and deeper. So like I wore a shirt. It's like I wore, boring. you know, it's like I'm sorry those a weird examples, but funny. like it's like I wore a shirt that was the same color red as the car that my mom's boyfriend drove in 1987 when he would take us to like a Def Leppard concert. Like it's going into the specific sometimes becomes the universal where you get really specific with your details and your story and that that helps other people paint a picture that then helps
0: them think about their own stuff. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely does. I feel like you being you, it just inspires other people to be them not only because of everything we just talked about, about being authentic, but also just seeing someone happily living their life, being a creative person, I feel like shows other people like, oh, that's so cool that Emily McDowell makes her living making these things. That means I might be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And I think that people watching do want to do that and they tune into the show because they, they do aspire to do that what advice do you have for them? Because I think people stay at those day jobs mm-hmm. much longer than you did. Yeah. And they don't think that it's really possible. Yeah. You know, there's a part of them that's like, well, maybe it happened for you. Cause you're so amazing, which you are. And you were at that thing and then everyone mm-hmm. outfitters, and then Brene Brown and Etsy put right. you there. But what would you say to that person who looks at you and goes, I really want to quit my day job and I want to be able to do something similar or even kind of like what you do, but I don't really think it's possible. I would to, say yeah. I have the opposite of an MBA. I have a creative writing degree.
2: I have an art minor. I run a company, you exactly. know, like, you do I mean, here's the thing is that like what people see when they look at my job is they, people see the art and they see the writing and they see the creative side of it. But for five years, 85% of what I did was business. And I didn't know what the F I was doing. Every morning I woke up and was like, all right, give me what you got world because what are we going to learn today? And I made 1 million mistakes and I made a bunch of money and I lost so much money and it was great and it was terrible. And it was, you know, like it was the best and hardest and coolest thing I've ever done. And so to look at it for, I just think that it's really important for people to know from the outside yes, all of this amazing stuff happened. And like, that's amazing. And there's no taking away from that. And that's fantastic. And then on the other hand, there was just as much, if not more of me being like, am I doing
0: this wrong? Like, you know, are we going to be around of those in six months? Lessons that you what learned gonna do? from those lows? Like, um, um, cause how could we maybe avoid that? Or mm-hmm. what were some of the things that you learned that you would do differently? So I would, um, just be, so
2: <laughs> just because you can, doesn't mean you should is a big lesson for me just because I could, I technically could run the company. Like I could be the CEO and I could do, like, I, I did all those things for five years. But in January of this past year, we made the decision to merge with knock knock, which is another larger brand that's been around for longer. Um, and to create a company called the who's There group, which is actually three separate brands, them and mm-hmm. us and, uh, people, places and things. And my role really changed and it was really hard it was a big decision for me. In some ways you could say like, well, it's a failure. Like I couldn't make it work on my own. You know what I mean? Like we were, we were a successful company, but I reached the point where I was like, there are people who can do this better than me. Yeah. And what I'm giving up in terms of, you know, my own decision, like equity and like all of those kinds of things, I'm going to get time back to do the things that I really love to do. And the things that I'm good at, you know, and like, let the other, let the people yep. who are good at those things do
0: those things. Yep. That's awesome. That's a really important one. Mm-hmm. You know, um, in this climate in today's day, when you, I mean, you're so visible on Instagram and online, and you talked about so many things that were part of your story that happened because of social media, and because of the way that, you know, the world is like right there, click away. Um, do you think that, you would encourage other people that they could be a creative and with their job. And absolutely tell us why that's possible or what because, you would sort of think okay. of things to grab hold of. What's amazing right now. And
2: this was not a thing.
0: Like when I graduated from
2: college in 1998 and at the time I was an English major. And so I was like, I'm going to go work in publishing. That was what right. you did. You were like, I'm going to be an editorial assistant. And mm-hmm. then I'm going to be an assistant assistant. And then I'm going to be a blah, blah, blah. And eventually I will be a highly paid blah, blah, and it was like a career path. And this whole idea of being an entrepreneur of being able to the internet has opened up for us such an amazing set of possibilities that just didn't exist 20 years ago, 10 years ago. Like the fact that you can reach people on social media for free. The fact That's that true. like social media built my business. You know, my whole marketing strategy for 4 years was make stuff people want to share and it used to be that it was really impossible like to find people to manufacture things for you and now you can just sit down and be like i want to make frisbees like how do i make a frisbee and yeah. you can figure it out like so cool. it's amazing there's so much information out there that's just accessible that helps us take our ideas and bring them to life in yes. a way that just didn't used to be true
0: yeah it's you know? amazing so what advice would you give someone who's like Working in their job right now and maybe wants to start a side hustle, like what things to focus on? where Where should they prioritize the time? Well, thinking about starting with something you have passion for in mm-hmm. some
2: way, meaning a side hustle is going to get old real quick if you're just like, "I just want to make money and get out of my crappy job." yeah, you know, because it might be successful right away, but it won't be easy. yeah, you know what I mean? And those yeah. are different and those are two different things, yes, like they call them good problems in business. Like we had a lot of good, quote unquote, good problems, but they were still problems. Like I still wasn't sleeping, even if it was good, you know, like even if it was good. Um, and so I think starting with something you love working a little tiny bit on it every single day, like also not getting, I think we get in our own way so easily where we think you have to get all this stuff done, like basically stay in your lane. I mean, I think stay in your lane is a, is a weird expression, but I, I think, so one of the things that I didn't do before I launched my stationary line, like I didn't go as a, as a guest to the stationary show, (laughs) which looking back was kind of dumb, like was dumb in other ways, but what I'm really glad I didn't look at the scope of what people were doing because I would have psyched myself out. I would have said, no way. There's no way that I can be successful in this business. There's so many people doing so many amazing things like, look at all these other people doing stuff. Like, who am I to think I can do this? Yeah. That naivete
0: helped you a lot. Yeah. Because you weren't
2: necessarily comparing yourself. You're not comparing yourself. And I think that the comparison thing and that's, you know, the, the, the evil of social media, we get in our own heads about like, well, this person over here is doing X and this person over here is doing Y. And like, I'm just over here doing Z and like my little Z isn't going to be anything. And stop looking at it. You know, like, really stop looking at it that was really critical for me was to just focus on my vision and what i wanted to do and not be looking right and left and not be looking at like i should be here i should be there and just doing a little bit every single day you know the graduate program i went to we called it 3 foot tosses like taking a frisbee and just being like hey. You know, like, and even if it just goes this far, you went that far.
0: Yep. That's beautiful too. Remember when you talked about how you had that $600 printer mm-hmm. and in the beginning, you, yeah, that's how you saw it. Like, yeah. I'm going to print these and so I'm going to print them myself. Yeah. Totally. And then it exploded. Yeah. So I feel like one of the biggest um, impediments to having what we want is how far we can see. Oh my gosh. For sure. and. We basically build what we can see, right, so if people think that one day the most they can do is be a pizza delivery man, yeah, they'll build a life toward that, you know if you can all of a sudden think of the idea that you could have a printer outside of your own little printer next thing you yeah. know it grows and grows right, and you don't
2: need to know how you're gonna get there. I think that that's like the hugest I think that's a huge thing too, is right? is like you can say. Oh my God. But how, like, how could I do that? I want to, I want to be in 1800 stores. Well, how do I do that? Right. You don't need to know how to do that. You just need to know how to Google a printer. You need to know the one next step that you feel like, because what happens? Because those just, they build on each other, you know? And if you hold the vision, like if you have the vision of like, this is
0: what I want to build, which I did, you know, I did have a vision. That's what I was going to ask you. How did you build that from, I'm going to have this printer in my apartment Mm -hmm. to all of a sudden I have a totally big mm-hmm. blown out vision of what it really can be. And it's so expansive. Yeah.
2: It really was for me. It was really, it was a shift in my thinking from being like, when I was first starting, I was thinking of myself as like, I'm a little artist drawing little pictures, like going to do this, th- not yeah. thinking of myself as a business person. And then it was this left turn of like, wait a minute, why can't I be a business person? I can be a business person. And
0: what did that? Was it a movie? Was it a friend you talked to? Is there a magazine Were you walking down the street one day and you have got I think it was a combination of kind of a lot of everything. Like there was no one
2: thing that was like an aha moment where I sat up in bed at 2am and was like, I'm a business person. It was like, you know, like, it was like a, but it was just really looking around and
0: really thinking like, wait a minute, yeah, you know, I can do this. Because for me, every time I see something new mm-hmm. to me, that is the magic minute because now I know I'm going to build it yeah. But I have to be able to see it. Yeah. I wondered if we could just like keep sort of understanding because I think that there is a spiritual technology. I think that oh, there is absolutely right. I'm like it's not just about building you. the legs of this table and uh-huh. getting the wood. There's t- building things is also like an internal thing uh-huh. as well.
2: Uh-huh. Right. And it's an energetic thing, you know? Right.
0: So what, how would you describe that?
2: I mean, and this is going to sound like, I know there's going to be people that want to punch me for saying this in order to do it. You have to believe that you can do it because I don't want to say it's impossible to do it. If you don't believe you can do it, like you could get there and be like,
0: how the? I can't believe I did this, mm-hmm. but it's very rare. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. The other thing, cause we're not going to have all day. I wish we did. But another piece of this that I think is the spiritual technology. I think you have to have the self-esteem that says I'm okay with receiving the success. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna make space for that, yeah, I'm not gonna have there is a shame that people have around wanting for things, you know, how people mm-hmm, are like, I'll mm-hmm. just it's okay i'll yeah, just like, I'll just, just to, uh, I'll we, just
2: I'm just gonna smaller 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 yeah, right, hiding under the table, like when we feel and I'm eventually gonna disappear, yeah, right, like we yeah. feel
0: on some level like yeah. we're doing something better for humanity if we just take a tiny piece or if we just mm-hmm. settle or if we just you know what, we'll just have a little, and I think that there's something about how what we have in our life. It's a reflection of what we feel we deserve. Like you're tolerating it, Mm -hmm. you know, or you're not. Mm -hmm. And you obviously broke through that Mm because look at you, like you're doing great. How do you think you were able to do that, especially as an artist, especially as somebody who comes from a background where people are like applauded for, you know, the struggle?
2: One of the things that was very, really instrumental in shifting my thinking was I did a spiritual psychology program.
0: In Santa Monica. In Santa Monica. Yeah, I heard about this one. Yeah, so I, that's so cool. I did USM.
2: So right around the time I was quitting my job, I was st- I also so I decided. So you see to start I figured this figured it out. And it was funny because cool. my intention with starting the program was I wanted to help me figure out what to do with my life. But I and I dropped out after the first year because the company took off. Like it was all sort of happened at the same time. Stop it. And so I didn't have time to really do the program. But a big <laughs> thing for me in terms of my own shifting, my own thinking was recognizing where I was addicted to my own suffering. That is so true. Like this feels bad, but it also doesn't feel scary. And I also don't have to necessarily take ownership of these decisions. If I'm a victim, if someone did this to me, then therefore I don't have the responsibility of getting out of it myself. Oh
0: my God, please keep saying that. You're going to save people's lives. That's incredibly brave. I didn't invent it, but. No, but, um, it's, but you said it, you owned it, and you've gone and lived it. That's true. So that's what's really awesome about that. That's true. It. So, so you got that. So how did you start applying that? I mean,
2: I just really started looking at the decisions that I was making and the ways in which oh I was God. contributing to my own. Suffering, you know, it's not like bad stuff doesn't happen. Bad stuff happens, Everybody. and bad, and like bad stuff sucks, you know. And it, it's not like having a spiritual perspective doesn't mean that you think stuff doesn't suck. It sucks. Yep. But it also means, okay, how am I going to get myself out of this? You know, and I've had clinical depression since I was twelve. I've been on meds, and oh you know, and so I have that. And I don't think that like spirituality is a cure for depression. I think they're two different things but there a was tool, also, though. It's yeah, but it's, a, yeah, it but it's one tool. It absolutely is. And it's one tool that has helped me, you know,
0: how does it help you in those moments where those old sort of neuropathways come back? How do you apply that? So the first thing times? is identifying when that happens,
2: basically catching the spiral as early as possible. Yeah. And that's a huge part of it really is the awareness of the spiral and the awareness that you're doing this. Like the awareness of like having the first thought and then like five minutes later when you're like rocking in the closet back and forth, like my life is terrible, I'm awful, I'm never leaving the house again. You did something in your own head. You told yourself a story in your own head that got you from point A to point B. There were no new physical things that happened in the world to you between, between having the first thought and then being in like the bottom.
0: It all came from in here. That's crazy. That's so, so smart. The fact that you're saying, have the awareness Mm -hmm. and then put it on yourself. Like you're telling yourself a story Mm -hmm. so you can stop. Right. I think that's extremely empowering to people who are listening. First of all, it makes it very normal. You're okay. You're okay when you feel sad. We all feel sad. Emily and I feel sad sometimes. It's not about not feeling sad. Right. And owning that and naming it is helpful. Um, But this is very freeing because if you can start to be aware of that and Mm -hmm. in the moment, notice it and notice notice that you're telling yourself a story and then it gets a little bit easier every time. Mm -hmm. Like the quicker you notice, the more you
2: do it, the more you consciously do it. Because I was a spiraler. I mean, like I was an awesome spiraler. I was really good at it. And I really tortured myself for years and years and years and years. And I I started with awareness and I started catching myself earlier. And the earlier you catch yourself and the more you do that, the more your brain gets used to doing it and so the less hard it is because in the beginning catching yourself is really hard and then even getting yourself to the point where you're like okay i caught myself now how do i stop thinking about this it's work you know like it's mental work in the beginning like you really have to to think about it but you don't have to think about it forever like okay. the more you do it the easier it gets and now i feel like i'm in a place where the thoughts still come in but i catch them way earlier
0: and how um, can they apply that what is the lesson
2: in that I think the lesson is it's basically having the belief in yourself that you can do this, right? Like the belief in yourself that you can break out of your job, break out of whatever it is that's keeping you in a life that you don't want to be in and create something different. It all starts with being able to believe in you and believe in yourself and believe that you can do it. And in order to believe that you can do it, you have to feel like you can control what's in here. And like you you said,
0: that we have something to do with our own suffering and that we are in control, a big part of that. And you got that and that awareness and that responsibility kind of allowed you to create new things. Right. There you have it. Um, You're amazing. Thank you so much for being so Thank brave. Thank you so, so nice much for having me. This was so, so fun. So everything this was so fun. Um, Tell us where we can find you and all your things.
2: You guys can find all of our things on emilymcdowell.com. Um, and then there's also, a, we're in a ton of retailers and you can find a list of those retailers on our website. If you go to the bottom of the footer and you click retailers that takes you to the retailer's page and there's a whole map and all that stuff. So you can find us online and then also
0: all over. Yes. It's, we try to make it clear for people. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I really love talking to you. This was so fun. Gosh, I could really talk to Emily all day, every day. Like I just feel that because she's so honest, it makes me just feel relieved. Like I can just be myself in all my messiness and broken parts. and there's just another human being like standing beside me being honest and awesome. And I just so applaud her. She is so fierce and cool and smart. So here are some takeaways. Number one, when you're feeling lost, go back to what you love to do as a kid. Number two, you'll always care about what other people think of you, but you should care more about your mission and your purpose. Number three, start with making something you love. Number four, a successful product solves a problem. Number five, your own story is more powerful than you think. Sometimes going into the details makes it more universal. Number six, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Number seven, stay in your own lane. Stop looking around and focus on your vision. Number eight, you don't need to know how to get there. You just need to know the next step. Number nine, build awareness around your crazy thought spiral. You don't have to stay addicted to your own suffering. And number 10, believe that you can break out of the life that's holding you back and believe that you can make your dream job a reality. So we have all these takeaways and some discussion questions on a cheat sheet, which you can download through the link in the show notes. And if you download this cheat sheet, we'll also keep you in the loop with any cool announcements from Emily, like that podcast she was talking about. It's going to be amazing, I'm sure. So please be sure to sign up and you'll get all those updates. Also, there's something super exciting I want to announce. We have the full unedited version of my conversation with Emily on video, and it's now available to watch on YouTube. So if you go to the show notes, you can find a link to that video. I really want to do more video content this year. So make sure you subscribe to that YouTube channel and you'll be able to see when we post more videos. And if you haven't grabbed your ticket yet, then come on over to dreamtopiaworkshop.com and make sure to get your ticket soon because the early bird discount is expiring Friday night at midnight. So go to dreamtopiaworkshop.com and use the code early bird, all one word at checkout for $54 off your ticket. This is going to be two days of healing, two days of inspiration, two days of you hanging out with some incredible human beings and really getting clear about how much is possible for you and how incredible you already are and what you can do with the awesomeness that lives inside of you. I cannot wait to see you guys in LA at the Harmony Gold Theater, March 14th and 15th. You can go get your ticket at dreamtopiaworkshop.com. I cannot wait to see you guys in March. Guys, if you love this episode do me a favor and do your friends a favor and share this podcast with them. Tell them how it's changing your life. Tell them that it's free to listen because the more we can inspire and help other people do what they love to do, this world is going to be a much brighter, more joyful place. You guys with me? So... Please go ahead and take a second and share the show with a friend, share the show with a few friends. I've been doing giveaways on my Instagram. You can come find me on Instagram at kathy.heller and I will be doing giveaways again and again and again because I want to be giving away a few tickets to that workshop every week until we get there. So please go ahead and follow me on Instagram and you will be alerted about the next giveaway. I'm going to leave you with another song of mine. I hope you guys have an incredible weekend. Please don't forget to email me your stories. We would love to feature more and more of you on this show and interview you and put you in the hot seat and give you a chance to talk about what you've done since listening to the show, what strides you've taken. So please go ahead and send us your story to hello at don'tkeepyourdayjob.com. When you write the email, just put the subject as success story with an exclamation mark. We cannot wait to read it. We cannot wait to reach out and have you guys on the show. I hope you guys have an incredible week. Don't forget to celebrate how awesome you already are. Go back and listen to this if you want to or to the other episodes that we've done to just remind yourself of what is possible. And sometimes, like Emily said, it just takes that next step. You don't need to know the full how. You just need to follow your curiosity and trust that you will be led to where you can serve the world and find your joy. I love you guys and I'll talk to you on Monday.